This episode is sponsored by the Syracuse University School of Education. A pioneer in inclusive education, Syracuse offers scholarships for graduate programs in teacher preparation, counseling, higher education, educational leadership, instructional design, and more. Syracuse's equity-driven community leads in inclusive and anti-racist research and practice, as well as experimental learning and the integration of digital technologies. Advance the future of learning and your career. Visit soe.syr.edu slash pulse to learn more. That's soe.syr.edu slash pulse. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and the host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today where we are breaking down the week that was of HBCU football. A lot of crazy storylines, a lot of things that are going on. I got Ariel in the building. Ariel, how are you doing today? I am doing absolutely wonderful. I, this, To be honest, this week was probably the most interesting and the most fulfilling week that I've ever had. Happy to see South Carolina finally got their first win. We'll talk about that later. Central still rolling on, but there's some more competition on the way. We got a lot to cover, and I'm just super excited that week four did not let us down. It did not let us down at all. So let's really go on and get started, Ario. So let's talk about our games of the week from last week. So you had North Carolina Central versus Mississippi Valley. And as you know, I picked North Carolina Central versus UCLA for my game of the week. And it wasn't a great pick. North Carolina Central got destroyed by UCLA. And Davis Richard actually was injured. and He didn't play in this game. What were you seeing from North Carolina Central? And how do you think they're going to fare for the rest of the year? Yeah, so I, I've tried calling. I've tried Twitter, which is now X. I've tried every form of media to try to see if he is coming back or if he was going to play in that game. And let me tell you, Central is keeping everything airtight. But let me tell you, when you're trying to play business and when you're trying to do business, that's the way it's supposed to be. So there are no updates on his injury, no updates if he's coming back soon. I think that'll be a good surprise. We do get to see him down the line in this season. But I chose this game just because I didn't know how they were going to fare without him. When you think about Davius Richards, he is a dual threat quarterback purely and solely. So he can run, he can throw. And he's just a really great leader on that team. Everybody looks up to him. He makes everybody look great. So not to have the person that you centrally built your whole program around is kind of devastating. But Walker Harris, man, if you wanted to have a backup quarterback that can do it, that is the man that you wanted. And he was on fire, especially with Davis Richards' right-hand man, Latrell Collier. So I appreciate that they won in dominated fashion, just like how we used to see them last year and a little bit of this season, 45 to three. Now, in all in all hindsight, Mississippi Valley State probably wasn't as much competition. It isn't as much competition as they were what they used to be to Central. So, of course, we could have expected them winning, but just like this, complete shutouts in every quarter but the second, only allowing Mississippi Valley State to score a field goal. And the three points is what they had throughout the entirety of that. And when you think about it, Walker Harris was able to have a five-touchdown game. He passed for five touchdowns, extremely incredible. One of them on a 770-yard drive, and then another one on a 44-yard drive. Absolutely amazing performance. And I think this guy, well, more essentially that Central is in good hands having him 17 out of 28, looking a little bit similar to Richard's scores, just a little bit, 263 yards, like I said, five touchdowns. And then you have his main man, Latrell Collier, going for most of those yards, 75 yards, 16 carries. And then you have Jamari Taylor, who scored their touchdown. And, of course, more running touchdowns after that and some field goals. A dominating game for a dominating team. 
And like I said, most of our concerns comes from Davis Richards not playing and not to have an update or for the school or anybody to release if he's coming back. It sure tells signs of if Central is really going to make their running or if they have competition out against Howard, against Morgan State. Any team that wants to try to come up, they can because Central has lost their main player. But other than that, Walker Harris, if he continues to have games like this, no interceptions, mostly clean play, it will be fine. The only thing I have to say is Walker, he showed a little bit of moving his legs. He's able to work at the pocket kind of good. But I like I said, he's not a Davius Richards. He's not a runner. So you're mostly working with Walker Harris as just a one-man play guy. If he can use his arm, he's going to. And in some cases, most of those first downs or converting on those third downs has been left to Davius Richards, who is able to move and use his legs. So when you kind of have a one-man band, when you're working with Walker Harris and he's only a throwing person, he's not able to move or has the speed like Davius Richards, you kind of lose another attack. You know, you can either run the ball with Davies Richard, you can throw the ball with Davies Richard, you can throw it to one of your rideouts, you can move it in the backfield. But Davies Richard was just another plan of attack. When you take that away, it's kind of a little bit easier for the rest of the teams that they're going to be playing for the next couple weeks to be like, hey, their quarterback isn't a runner. They don't have Davies Richard. They're kind of playing on pins and needles here, making sure nobody else that is essential gets hurt on the team. So that's just one of the things that we have to look out for. Other than that, an incredible game, a dominating game. I hate this for Mississippi Valley State, but now Central has up their record 3-1, and non-conference play, but it just looks good on them. And I'm super excited that they aren't worrying me as much anymore as they were worrying me when he did go down against that UCLA game. So I'm excited to see what they look like for the rest of the season. I'm excited that they figure out some type of game plan, and I hope they continue – to do this and how I was questionable like that last week I'm a believer Walker Harris is that guy to help them and hopefully he stays healthy because I don't know if they can pull any other uh, Davies Richard copies out the bag I think this is as good as you as it gets so hopefully they keep this momentum and it keeps working for them because this game absolutely showed that they are still in the running for the celebration bowl and I can't wait to see them get back there to double it back Alabama State versus Florida A&M. Of course, Florida A&M did get the win. They are definitively to me the best team in the SWAC East and the best team in the SWAC, period. But here's the thing, Mario. The game was sort of interesting because, fam, you didn't just straight dominate. If you look at the box score, it might seem as if they did, but if you watch the game on ESPN+, Alabama State put up the fight, and they put up a fight because of their defense, because their defense is indeed top-notch. And Aria, listen, the butterfly effect. So I know you know what the butterfly effect is, and I believe our audience knows what the butterfly effect is, but if you don't know, the butterfly effect is one thing changes and everything that follows that event changes. So for example, if, if my mom didn't meet my dad, I wouldn't be here. But because my mom met my dad, I'm here. That's the butterfly effect, right? So one thing can change a whole entire confluence and sequence of events. A butterfly effect for me, Mario, happened in the game. So you had Alabama State quarterback Damon Stewart, who was in for Davis, because Davis didn't play this game. He threw a perfect pass, Detroit University transfer and tight end A.J. Lewis, in the red zone in the second quarter. It was 11 minutes, 27 seconds left in the second quarter. It was the start of the second quarter. Fam, you already scored a touchdown. They were trying to get the ball back to score another touchdown, go up 14-0. But it looked like Alabama State was about to tie it up with them. But you had the tight end, A.J. Lewis, that dropped the ball. It hit his hands, and it just dropped. And that could have made the score 7-7, to Ario. Yeah, fam, you up 7-0. to They want to run the score up. They want to make this an easy game so they can move on to, to the next game, right? But if Alabama State scores a touchdown on that drive and they respond and tie it up 7-7, to you're already playing a grueling defense, so you're going to play a little bit differently. You play differently up 7-0 to than you do 7-7 to because now you're even and you're trying to break that tie so you can ultimately win the game. So things might have gone a little bit differently had A.J. Lewis caught the ball. 
but it was all good because it seemed as if they were about to score a touchdown on, on the next play. They threw the touchdown, but it was called back. Ario was waved off the board because it was an ineligible man down the field, another penalty. And that was an amazing opportunity to try to get even with FAMU as you went into the second quarter and to halftime. But Alabama State just could not get it going. Alabama State's defense continues to carry them, but the offense is a work in progress. I think that Alabama State has the blueprint of a great team in the conference. I think that you win the games through defense. In the SWAC, you have a lot of great quarterbacks. You have a lot of explosive offenses. You see it with Grambling. You see it with FAMU. How you win in the SWAC is you have to have a dominant defense, and Alabama State definitely has that. But they do not have the offense to match up with that defense because eventually the defense has to get off the field and they have to rest. So Alabama State's offense has to help the defense out by getting touchdowns, like by scoring, by taking the pressure off of them. Because Alabama State is moving the ball down the field. They're averaging 226 yards per game, but they're not getting the ball in the end zone. They have been unable to score, and they've even been unable at certain points to even get field goals. So Alabama State has to do better with that offense. They have to either get a quarterback that can really spin it, that can play make, or they just this new offensive coordinator that can bring a new offensive philosophy that matches up with the personnel. Because there's a good team in here somewhere. I'm not writing off Alabama State. There's a good team in here somewhere because that defense is elite. But you win the game by scoring more points than the other team. You can prevent them from scoring points, but you win the game scoring more points than the other team. But you look at FAMU, Ario, FAMU's run game wasn't all that effective this game because they played a dominant defense. And I think that's fine. The passing game was amazing. Jeremy Musa did an amazing job. The defense did what needed to be done. But at the same time, looking at FAMU's run game, it's not been that effective to start the year. Hopefully they start to pick that up. But I think that that could be a problem as we get to the contenders, as we get to a Southern later on in their schedule, as we get to a Prairie View, which very well could be a preview of the SWAC championship with Prairie View being in the SWAC West. Or even if they make it to the Celebration Bowl, as a lot of us are thinking, and they play on North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central defends the run well. So if they stop that run, they're expecting you to pass. That leaves a high margin of error because they're going to game plan for the pass. So I really think that FAMU has to find a way to establish the run. They have offensive linemen. They have the capable backs to do it but they have to get better in establishing the run. It won't mess them up too much. They play Mississippi Valley next week, and Jerry Rice ain't going to be on the field for them. So, listen, I'm expecting them to do better next week, but I just think that as the season goes along, they have to improve that running game, Ario. All right, but let's talk about our headlines of the week. Ario, I want you to go on first because you have a very important headline. The South Carolina State, they proved us wrong, and Buddy Pugh, in his last dance, his retirement tour, beat the Citadel, one of his former coaches. So tell me about that. You know, not only did they beat the Citadel, they almost had a blowout. 31-10 to 10 was the final score of getting their first win, and I love this for Buddy Pugh because, like you said, it is his last season, and the start of the season going 0-3 was not the week that you want to do, and that was not, I think, how you wanted to start this season but listen any it's anybody's game still like i said it's, it's still anybody's game in the MEAC. one mistake and it can all fumble we found that out when howard and central tied for first last season howard just missed it by one game so it's anything can happen but i don't know about south carolina state we're still trying to figure out what's going on the number one thing that they did figure out is that Corey fields jr is their quarterback and he's making some kind of improvement 19 out of 25 300 and one yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. But I still have a little bit of a concern when it comes to South Carolina State because they are playing teams besides Georgia Tech and besides Charlotte that could have been winnable games. The game against Jackson State, the MEAC Swag Challenge, of course, Jackson State was trying to prove without their former head coach and with the coaching staff that we have now, we are still dominant and I just think that was just a missed opportunity by South Carolina State to win. But when you look at Corey Fields Jr., it's kind of upsetting because in each game that they played, even going into week four into the Citadel, he averages one interception per game. So when you have these upcoming games, 
you have a lot of these games that if you are averaging one interception, you even average two interceptions playing Delaware State, which should be a winnable game, or even playing Central, who we don't even know if Davies Richards is coming back, you will lose those games. And I don't think that it's safe to have a guy or to choose a guy that does have incredible arm talent and is working with a mediocre offense to be averaging one interception per game when you're still trying to see if you're able to even go to the celebration bowl. That's what scares me. Buddy Pugh really doesn't have any certified offensive weapons. To me, I just think everybody is just there. And if they score, they score. That's the mentality that they have now. You even have a running back, Andre Washington, who is also the backup quarterback to Corey Fields, playing a backup quarterback. So you're really just pulling people. I don't think South Carolina State has a game plan or they're trying to do what we kind of see now in other schools, especially in the NFL. We're trying to make sure every player can play a different position. And that's what they try RJ Washington, um, even though he's a running back. He actually ran and had most of those rushing yards for South Carolina State. If we have to, we're going to use him as a backup quarterback. So all of these incomplete systems and then having a quarterback that averages an interception every time he hits the field and not having offensive weapons still kind of scares me for the rest of these games that they have. So congratulations, take this win, take the win over the Citadel of that and take a dominating win over the Citadel. But you have to work on your quarterback. You have to work on his accuracy, how he sees the field, because an interception in any of these games is going to completely ruin their season, but also try to build up the players that you have on the field. Somebody has to come out and be dominating, whether it's they build up their backfield and the running game starts to get going or they handle all their wideouts, maybe a really good tight end. I don't see any individual player that's just like, whoa, South Carolina is going to be absolutely amazing. It's all these technicalities. They technically do this, if they technically do that. You're averaging less than 20 minutes on the ball for some of these games. You only have 130, you only have 130 tackles in the season. And then you almost give up 15 yards every time that you play a team. All these stats are just starting to come against you. So South Carolina State, I'm proud, but how long is this going to last? And you would think with Buddy Pugh being his last season, one of the most infamous coaches, a Hall of Fame coach at that, a really good person that's put all his heart into this team for so many years. You guys owe him another win. You guys owe him a really great season. So I'm happy for them, but I want their football team to get better and it has to get better. And to me, it starts with the quarterback and then it goes into establishing players. And then after that, maybe, just maybe, we might see some kind of life in the middle of the season, but the winning against the Citadel was definitely unexpected. But for the rest of these games, if they can clean up some of these errors, it's not much of penalties. It's just the stats look so terrible against them. I don't know how they will completely fare towards the end of the season. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a great breakdown. And I have to say this part. I have to say this. Buddy Pugh is slick. Because he showed his former assistant, Maurice Drayton, that, hey, I'm still the teacher. It's, it's great. It was great to see you. I'm proud of you. But I'm still the teacher. I'm still the dean of HBC football. Because Maurice Drayton served as an assistant coach under Buddy Pugh in the 2008 season for the South Carolina State Bulldogs, coaching the defensive backs and special teams. And Drayton just got his job as the coach of the Citadel in December of last year, in 2022. So, I, th- I think Coach Buddy Pugh was like, we're not going to lose this game. We're not going to lose this game. Because also, you have to look at it going, going in, the Citadel hasn't had an amazing year within itself. So, like, they came in the game without any wins either. But, Aria, I got to toss to this because, listen, we saw history on this weekend that was unexpected, honestly. So, I'm watching the Jackson State Bethune-Cookman game. I'm trying to watch as many HBCU games as I can. Sometimes it's hard to keep up because it's so much college football. It's so much college football everywhere. It's on ESPN Plus, HBCU Go, HBCU Plus, ABC, when you want to see Colorado play against Oregon. All these different games are going on. So I'm like, you know what? Let me see what's going on with Jackson State and Bethune-Cookman. So I turn on the game. It's about to start. And then we see that we have a historic kicker, we have Leilani Armenta, who is the first women's player in Jackson State football history, and it is believed that she is the first 
female football player in HBCU Division One history. She goes out there and she does the opening kickoff. And I'm like, wait, is this for real? Is this a video game? Is this the new college football 24? Like, like what's, what's going on here? So listen, I mentioned she's a freshman soccer player at Jackson State. She's from Ventura, California. She attended St. Bonaventure High School where she played varsity football as a punter and a kicker. So this was not her first game playing football. She, Aria, I want to tell you, she is like that. In her varsity career in high school, she made 98 out of 105 PATs. She had two of them blocked, but she made more than she missed. And she made all five of her field goal attempts, and she tallied a total of 3,552 kickoff yards, including two touchbacks. And Aria, we know this as Falcon fans. This is important. She she kicked three onside kick recoveries where her team recovered the kick. If you're a football fan, you're a Falcons fan, NFL fan, you know that onside kick recoveries are important, and it's really all about how the kicker kicks that onside kick to make sure they get that 10 yards and that their team can recover it. So she is like that. She played because there were injuries in that special teams unit to Jackson State. She already knew how to play football. She's already an adept soccer player, so they called her up, and she made it happen, and Jackson State ended up winning. Bethune-Cookman gave I can say the scare, but they ended up winning, but they won even more because they made history. And I got to give another shout out to India Pulpus at Shaw University, who is also a female place kicker. And she, to be real, like she might be the first HBCU kicker because she's been playing since the beginning of the season for Shaw University in the CIAA. So, all right, yeah, listen, I'm all for the, the women empowerment. Help us win the game. Like, let's get it. So I was super hyped. I was super excited. We did a longer form breakdown on clutch points about both India and Liani. And also we had another young lady that also played football in Division Three, and she was a safety, and she got a quarterback hit. Listen, from NFL refs to the Cardinals actually having a defensive coach that is a female, I... I love it. I love that. I love this headline. It makes me happy. You know what? Listen, teams like Jackson State, teams like Shaw, even the Falcons, if it takes a woman to beat this team, put me on the field, coach. Put me on the field. Because at the end of the day, if I have injuries, if if somebody's hurt, if my team is just not doing it to me, you got to expand to every other options that you got. And if it results in us winning, especially with Jackson State, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm going to be like that man at the Miami game that was dressed in full-blown uniform. If you need me, just pull me out the stands because I'm ready. So I'm I'm excited that women are having an impact. I'm excited that we are breaking barriers. I'm excited that they're breaking history. And I'm excited that when you put a song, we're not only doing our job, but we're winning games. So this is just only the tip of the iceberg. But I'm excited. This makes me want to go suit up for AT. Anything to help them win. Well, I'll come back. I'll re-enroll. I'll do whatever they need me to do. But if it, if it helps us win, then I'm here for it. So, Aria, let's talk about Benedict. So, Benedict College, you know I am a Division II graduate, SIAC, Fort Valley State University alumnus. And listen, we have quality football in division two and i always hate the oh well you play a division two school you're supposed to win and oh you play a division two school there's not talent there and we've seen this we've seen this year we saw miles college beat alabama state in that dominant defense we saw delta state we weren't too happy about this but we saw delta state beat mississippi valley like we've seen division two teams compete west florida didn't do that bad against famu but famu was able to dominate in that second half so Benedict is not playing an FCS opponent this year. But I'm going to say this boldly, and I don't care what anybody says about it because I got the stats to back it up. Benedict College just might have the best defense in HBC football, period. Period. Like, there's no other defense in HBCU football that I see, even Alabama State, that is messing with Benedict College's defense. You can say, oh, the scholarships, oh, the depth of talent, all these different things. 
No one is seeing Benedict College as far as their defense. And I'm scared because in about a couple weeks, we playing, Fort Valley is going to be playing Benedict on ESPN2. So the nation on a Thursday is going to get a chance to see Benedict's defense, and hopefully we not the showcase for it. Okay, I'm hoping we not the showcase for it on ESPN2. But listen, Benedict is making it happen. So let's go down the numbers. They're, they've held their opponents, Ario, to two points per game. I did not mess that up. Not 22 not 12, definitely not 32, two points per game. 29 yards rushing, 78 yard pa- yards passing, and only one touchdown. And that's a passing touchdown. So they sacked the opposing team's quarterback 19 times and they even halfway into the season yet. They now have four interceptions in four games. They played Shaw, Edward Waters, Lane, Chawan. Benedict College is like that. And we all know what everybody was saying. Oh, was it an aberration? Eric Phoenix has left, so are they going to be able to win? Because he was their starting quarterback for the championship team. Did Wingate expose them? Because Wingate had a dominant defense, and they're a great defensive squad in Division II as well. So what's Benedict going to do this year? Is the talent in the SIC, are they going to catch up to Benedict? Listen, Benedict looks way better than they did last year. Now, we want to see how they fare against tougher competition because they have three teams they're going to they're play that can test them out. Miles College, they're playing them on October the 7th. Yeah, Fort Valley on ESPN2. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, I'm scared. I'm going to watch that game now on ESPN2, but I'm nervous. You got Jay Walker and Tiffany Green most likely there. Hopefully, we don't get embarrassed by this Benedict defense that honestly might be historic. It might be one of the best defenses in HBCU football history. We'll see if that statement holds up. But then they play an improved Allen University team that's currently 4-0 as we're recording this, and they have a really nice passing attack. So I think Benedict has really three more tests. I think they win the rest of their game but we're going to see what, how they fare against Miles College, against Fort Valley, and then on November 4th against Allen to end off the season. But right now, Ariel, it's looking like Benedict is about to win the SIC once again if someone doesn't do something. And to be honest, no one is seeing Benedict as far as their defense. Now, Ariel, let's get into our games of the week and our quick picks, all right? So my game of the week, Ariel, is Grambling versus Prairie View. I think this game is going to lead up to everything that happens at the end of this season in the SWAC West as a lot of teams start conference play as we move into October and also homecoming season. So Grambling is a high-powered offense, but they can't keep teams off end zone. They're the anti-Benedict. They're giving up 26 points per game, 210 yards rushing, 214 yards passing. And you might think, well, Randall, they they played LSU and they lost 72 to 10. Well, here's the thing. I'm not that great at math. I was a math comm major. I'm not that great at math. But what I did, I did the averages. And in my averages, I took out LSU. So these numbers that you're hearing, 26 points per game they're giving up, 210 yards rushing they're giving up, 214 yards passing they're giving up, those are against HBCU opponents, including Florida Memorial University. But I think Prairie View has shown resolve in their two HBCU games because, of course, they had a couple out-of-conference games that did not go well for them. But when they played Texas Southern and when they played Alcorn this past week, they were down in both of those games. Of course, Texas Southern, they were down by two touchdowns. And with Alcorn, they were going back and forth until they made a game-winning field goal to seal the win. So for me, I'm picking Prairie View. I think that Prairie Views is going to win this narrowly. Now, my game of the week, they might sound familiar, Central versus Campbell, and it may sound familiar because Campbell was running through the homecoming teams last year, the homecoming games, and beating everybody but A&T. Love that for us when we were great. So (laughs) we have Central and Campbell squaring off in week five, and I'm super excited for this. We already kind of broke down Central. Central just really only having a quarterback problem. Everything is fine, but it's no longer a problem at all because Walker Harris is probably going to do another five-touchdown game, and I'm excited for that. Campbell coming in two and two. They're not a bad team this year, and we've seen a preview of them. They can be really, really great defensively we saw that with Jackson State we saw that with Central we saw that with other HBCU teams that they played last year so it's not going to be easy to score against them now it will be easy to kind of get to their quarterback a little bit we look at Williams from his last games 96 or 128 yards I mean 96 out of 128 in passing 1,125 yards six touchdowns one interception this is just 
what he's going off of from the season. And it hasn't been a bad season for them. They've had a quite a few close calls, and some of them are just little quick picks mistakes. But Campbell should not be doubted. They are easy to pick up off of your mistakes. They're easy and willing and able to win against you. To be honest, I think this is probably the best game that the MIAC has had this season until we get to that South Carolina and Central game because South Carolina, fun fact, last year gave Central their first loss in conference play, and they won everything after that to get to the Celebration Bowl. So I know that's going to be a great game coming up on October 26th. Right now, as of this Saturday of September 30th, when they play, I think Central might want to be a little bit cautious of where they throw the ball, how they plan to attack Campbell, because honestly, this could be anyone's game. But I'm hoping and my pick is that Central does pull out of this. And if they do pull out of this, it might be by touchdown, at least by 10 points. I don't think this is going to be a complete blow because Campbell does bring competition. But this is going to be a really good game. And I'm excited to see what Campbell will bring what they're looking like. They kind of scared us just a little bit because they came out of nowhere. But I do have confidence in Central that they are going to go right through this game, get another win, and keep rolling through the season. I love it. I love it. So I'm choosing North Carolina Central as well. Hopefully Central does not let us down in this game because Campbell beat them last year. But I think that North Carolina Central is definitely going to be ready for this one. So we're just going to see what happens. But let's go through our quick picks, Ariel. So Virginia University of Lynchburg versus Delaware State. Now, Virginia University of Lynchburg, they are an independent Division I HBCU. And a lot of HBCUs do schedule Virginia University of Lynchburg. And fun fact, I'm not afraid to say it, they beat Fort Valley. <laughs> I'm back in 2018. I will never forget that. And I own up to my losses and my team's losses. So we all were shocked. Okay. They they beat us. You know what I'm saying? And there's no film of it, but I did the radio broadcast on, on Facebook Live. So you can go listen to it, but there's no film of it. And if there's no film, it didn't exist. But they they did, they did beat uh Fort Valley. So you you never know. Delaware State is struggling. So I'm choosing Delaware State. But you never know, Ariel, because they have beaten and like another competitive HBCU before. I just don't think Delaware State has been in this year. And that's no offense to them. I think it's a programming error that their whole team just needs to be switched up completely. And I think the I think Virginia University of Lynchburg, they actually might come out with a win from this. Oh, so you're choosing them? Yeah, I am. Okay. Hey, listen. That's what's up. Hey, like I I'm I'm with, I'm not mad at you. Cause I was close to choosing them because because yeah. we we gonna see if they they can do like what they did with Fort Valley. All right, so Yale versus Morgan State. So Morgan State had a really great game, two overtime game against University of Albany on last Saturday, but they unfortunately lost the game. I, I believe Yale's gonna win this game. I think Morgan State they have to take a little bit more lumps. They have to continue to grow their offensive game. I think the defense is is amazing, but I think next year they're going to start to pick up even more out-of-conference wins, like how they did Richmond, but not this year. I think Yale wins this. Yeah, I think Morgan State is on to something and bringing in the blueprint of HBCUs going in and beating these outsider teams, and I love it, but just not against Yale. So Yale is definitely going to win this matchup. Listen, gonna go, like, like gonna, gonna, gonna get defeated by doctors and lawyers. We got doctors and lawyers on the other side too, but by future presidents over there, <laughs> future congressmen over there. At, 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 yeah, gonna be locking them down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, and, and, then go, and then we gonna say, "I y'all, you, you, you beat us, but you better give the land grant HBCUs funding when you get on the hill." Okay, don't play with us. Anyway, so let's talk about it. Robert Morris versus Howard. So Robert Morris, as you might know, Mario, like they played against North Carolina A and T last year in A and T beat them pretty soundly. So they played against HBCUs, and HBCUs have fared pretty well against Robert Morris, although they're an out-of-conference team. I think Howard is itching for a win, especially after they dropped the game to Hampton in that rivalry game in the Truth and Service Classic. So I'm going to pick Howard for this game to win. I'm actually right there with you. I would love to see them win this game. I would love to see a little bit of competition in the MEAC of who is going to be second, who might have that third spot going into October next week. So I I want to see what the standings are going to look like. I hope hopefully Howard comes out with this win against Robert Morris. Yes. So let's talk about let's talk about Texas Southern versus Lincoln. So fun fact, and this is a fact I need everybody to know. Lincoln University of California 
is not the HBCU Lincoln. So you have two Lincolns. You have Lincoln University of Pennsylvania. You have Lincoln University of Missouri. And Lincoln University of Pennsylvania is the first degree-granting HBCU. So they're not playing Lincoln University of Pennsylvania because that might be a game because they got a quarterback, Lincoln University of Pennsylvania, and Saddle They're good. This Lincoln University of California, they're typically like a homecoming type of opponent for HBCUs. So I think that Texas Southern will win this pretty handily. I'm going to go with you with that one on two. Uh, this game, just looking at them, it seems a little bit interesting, but Texas Southern might have this wholeheartedly. So Alabama A&M versus Tuskegee. This is Alabama A&M's homecoming. It's going to be aired nationally on HBCU Go. Ariel, you know Tuskegee is the pride of Division II. Like, they've been our most storied program. And in my heart, Ariel, I am picking Tuskegee. But they have some significant injuries. They've had some really close calls against teams that they should have beaten soundly, such as Central State. Although Central State's had a great year such as Central State, such as Lane College last week. So I'm going to choose Alabama A&M, but it's not going to be too much of a gotcha moment for the folks listening because in my heart, I'm choosing Tuskegee. I'm choosing Mother Tuskegee in my heart. But I got to be writing these picks, so I'm choosing Connell Maynard and Alabama A&M. And I'm just saying, I got Coach Connor Maynard. He's still barking. He's still barking. I'm excited, man. I'm ready to go. He's ready to go. He's still barking. I was hoping you were going to play that, too. I was like, I need the mark. I need the mark. Listen, Randall, you can only have one pick. Your heart doesn't count in this. It's, it's facts. And facts for me is Alabama A&M is going to beat Tuskegee. They haven't been the most consistent team, but I feel like they're consistent enough to beat Tuskegee. And it's home. Any, anything can happen in homecoming. There's a little bit of extra special power in an HBCU homecoming. Alabama A&M takes this. I really want to say Tuskegee, but I, I, just, I just can't. And I, I would say it if they weren't injured, I would pick Tuskegee, but I just can't at this point just because of the injuries. But Alabama A&M should have this uh, narrow victory, I believe. I think it, it won't be a blowout. I think Tuskegee does, you know, really go tip for tap with them. Uh, but I think they win for homecoming. So UAPB versus Southern. I think Southern's going to win this pretty handily. Southern has to win this pretty handily. If they lose against the University of Arkansas Applied Bluff, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered in that following week going into the next game. Southern has to win this. Yeah, I mean, I think Palm Bluff is getting better. I mean, we saw that game against Alabama A&M on Thursday on, on ESPNU, and, you know, Alabama A&M, they had some problems with UAPB, and UAPB very well could have gotten back into that game. So this could be a spoiler type of game, but I think just Southern wins this game because the defense is like that. There's some offensive woes, but the defense I think is going to be able to keep Pine Bluff in check. So Alabama State versus Alcorn. So this might be the one where we might choose different people, okay? So I'm choosing Alcorn to win this game because after what I saw in last week and last week's game of the week against FAMU, I believe Alabama State has a great defense, but I don't know if the offense will be able to really, truly hang with Alcorn and Jarvion Howard. And I don't think they'll be able to fully slow down Jarvion Howard at that running back position. So I think Alcorn will win strictly off that alone. No, uh, there will be no surprises. I completely agree with you. I think Alcorn is going to take Alabama State. We don't differ every time. I just put facts and knowledge together and I just feel you know some of them things I, I'll take my L but Alcorn is going to have the up the upper hand in this to me against Alabama State especially I guess this last game that they played I just think Alabama State just has a little bit more to figure out and Alcorn is starting to put it together so when you get a team that's already trying to put it together and a team that's still trying to figure out what what is going on it's, it's not going to be a good outcome Alcorn actually takes this Hey, so I think I know what we might be about to disagree on. So we're not going to disagree on, on Florida A&M versus Mississippi Valley. Fam, you winning that game, right? Yes, of course. Okay, so that's not a disagreement. Now, Norfolk versus North Carolina A&T, okay? I'm going to pick Norfolk. Wow. Wow, the delusion has worn off for you. <laughs> the delusion has apparently worn off for you. I think this is actually an easy game for A&T. Ooh. Listen, Ed, uh, Central is a different kind of beast. Norfolk is not like Central. Howard is not like Central. South Carolina State is not like Central. Delaware and everybody else in the MEAC are not like Central. That was just a different competition completely. I don't think Norfolk is going to 
have that kind of momentum that AT can't handle. I'm still going to play my Lulu self, and I'm still going to give it to A&T as an alum, but also knowing that this is a winnable game, North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. This is a winnable game, so they are going to win. <laughs> At this point, they got to win it for Chancellor Martin. Like, they got to give him a win before he retire. Like, you know what I'm saying? They got to win for Chancellor Martin at, at this point. Chancellor Martin better be at the game. Be like, come on, A&T. Let's go on and get going. So, like, I, I still think Norfolk's going to win because I think Dawson Odoms is, is, try, is trying to make, make the comeback. I think Dawson Odoms really wants to contend. He apologized to the North Carolina fans. Not North Carolina. He apologized to the Norfolk State fans after that crushing loss to Virginia State. And I've seen some changes in the team. I think he's been able to motivate the team better, get them more prepared, get them to understand the mission. So I think that that at Norfolk might be ready to turn things around after a pretty rough start to the season. But I totally get it. I feel you. Now, Richmond versus Hampton. I'm choosing Hampton because Richmond has been struggling a bit because, you know, of course, Morgan State beat Richmond, but Richmond then goes in turn and beats Delaware State. And this is a, a, a CAA game. This is the first CAA type of game for Hampton this year. But I think that Hampton, they look really good. They look good against, against Howard. So I think they beat Richmond. Listen, I'm kind of on the fence about this one just because when you think about Morgan State, Morgan State beat them narrowly. You remember they had that last-minute interception and a, and a missed field goal. So there are just certain – and, you know, that's Morgan State, though. Morgan State always puts themselves in a spot where they could be possibly beat by their competition. But when you look at Hampton, I mean, Hampton is good this year. They have a great team, but you also look at Richmond, and I feel like this could be anybody's game despite them not being in their best form this year. I'm a little scared to say it, but maybe Hampton does come out with this win, but I think it might be a little closer than what we're actually expressing. I don't know if they completely win this game, but I know they can pull out a win if if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So we we are, you know, the same on Hampton. So UT Martin versus Tennessee State. This is an in-conference game. I'm going to pick Tennessee State. I think this is the year that Eddie George really truly turns things around and becomes dangerous in that conference. I think the defense is still really good. The offense is still sort of a question, like I talked about, to start the season. But I think that Tennessee State is starting to figure it out, and they, and they beat UT Martin. I'm going to have to agree with you and that Tennessee State could bring the pain against UT Martin. This could be a win that looks really, really good under Eddie George. But if they win this, they have to keep the momentum going. And that's the only thing that scares me about Tennessee State. You never know what you're going to get on game day. They can start really, really well, but we don't know how they're going to end. Or they can start really, really bad, but they know how to finish a game. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little up in the air about it it's, it's it's a push to choose them but i believe tennessee state will come out with this win and i i think we'll be good you guys are on to division two where hopefully randall won't lead me astray in this week as well he's been leading me astray so that way his points look higher than mine but it's okay we're not we're not even gonna worry about it but we'll start with the ciaa bluefield state versus Fayetteville state randall our d2 man where are you thinking who you got so I, I've been choosing Bluefield State a lot, and I think that, you know, they're starting to go up against stiff competition, and that's really what got us off. I just thought that Bluefield State was going to come into the CIAA hot. But Fayetteville State, they actually beat Virginia Union last week, and that was another one that was sort of a spoiler. So I think that Fayetteville State, they want to get back to the CIAA championship, and, and they want to win again. They want to get some, a couple championships under their belt now that buoy is not in power like they were with Damon Wilson at the helm. So I think Fayetteville State wins this one. All righty, then. Elizabeth City versus Johnson C. Smith. We love them. We love to see it. What's your pick? Johnson C. Smith has been, has been putting it together. They've been putting it together. I think they beat Elizabeth City pretty handily. I'm excited to see what Johnson C. Smith does for the rest of the year, especially as they play the contenders in the conference. So I think Johnson C. Smith wins this matchup. I hope they win this matchup or it's going to be really, really quiet in my in my office on next week. Then we got the real HBCU, Lincoln University of Pennsylvania, not Lincoln University of CA, which is not an HBCU, versus Winston-Salem State. And Winston-Salem State has been having a season. By having a season, I mean a terrible season. So who do you have, Randall? Well, I mean, to, to continue that, Lincoln University of Pennsylvania is going to win this game, and they're going to keep going. I'm telling you, like, if – 
If if Connor Manning loses to, to to Tuskegee on homecoming, he he might be available to come coach Winston, Winston Salem State again. He did really good, <laughs> like back back in the day. But now, nah, like Winston Salem State, they're not going to win this game. Lincoln University of Pennsylvania has some cooking up there in the CIAA North. I think they win the game. All right, and one of my favorites, St. Augustine versus Virginia Union. Give me your pick, and also please give me a Jada Byers update. So we got to see what, what's going on with, with Jada Byers because, I mean, they did lose that game against Fayetteville State. And St. Augustine's, surprisingly, Ariel, they were, like, really close to beating Bowie. It was a defensive battle. So I I don't know. I'm going to choose Union. Go, like, go up my head and out my heart. I, I'm going to choose Union just because I think that they still have the team that they can put together to win this game. They didn't have a high-scoring type of game one last week, we're going to see if Jada Byers does play. But I think that Virginia Union wins with or without Jada Byers. St. Augustine still has, you know, a little bit to get into contention like they were in previous years. It's so amazing to see these kind of key players when you look at Davis Richards or you look at David Byers, how injuries of top players can impact your team. But on to the next, Shaw versus Virginia State. And this one, listen, I've been previewing Shaw games, and they don't look too bad. They they look kind of amazing to me, despite what's been going on this season. Who do you have, Randall? I think Virginia State, they got to win this game because they got to continue to keep pace with what's going on inside the North. This is, of course, an out-of-division game. So the games that are really going to matter to, 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 to VSU is going to be in the division against Union at the end of the season, against Bowie, against Lincoln University of Pennsylvania that also wants their stake in their claim of the CIAA North title. So I think that Virginia State has to keep the momentum going. They had a big win against Norfolk. They've been rolling off some big wins. So they cannot sleep against Shaw. Shaw can easily come in and spoil it for them. But I think Virginia, I think Virginia State wins this game. You know what, speaking of Bowie, they play Livingstone this weekend. I've heard some up and down things about Livingstone. I've been to a couple of their games, but this season, it might, we might be looking at something different. I don't know. Who do you got, Randall? I have Bowie. I mean, that's the popular pick. I think Bowie should easily win this game, but I didn't like what I saw last week. But I think Bowie wins this game. I think they have, they have like, like a year or two to really get back to where they were with Damon Wilson. I think they need a couple more recruiting cycles and, and different things to happen. Maybe Jada Byers leaves the North, you know, and goes to the NFL and, and, and graduates. So I, I think some, a couple of things need to happen for Bowie to regain its dominance. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I think Bowie is still an amazing team. Great blueprint for winning. That goes Damon Wilson left. So Bowie's going to win this game, but they better not lose the game against Livingstone because this is, might be a spoiler type of game. You never know. Mm, I hear it. All right, now we're on to the SIAC, also known to me as the SIAC, Kentucky State versus Albany State. Pretty good games here. Who do you got, Randall? Albany State is going to win this game. Fort Valley, they they beat down Kentucky State last week. So I'm pretty sure Albany State has seen that. They're our rivals, so they're like, no, nah, we can't lose. We cannot lose to Kentucky State. So I think they're going to win against against uh, Kentucky State pretty handily. And then we'll see what they do for the rest of the season leading into the Fountain City Classic in November. But Albany State's going to win this game. All right, Albany, you heard it first. Randall is rooting for you, and hopefully he doesn't leave both of us astray. Central State versus Miles is up next. Randall, who's your pick? This might be a game of the week. Miles College, great defense. They put together a really nice offense. Central State coach Kevin Porter, former Fort Valley head coach, he has a really explosive offense over there. But I'm going to choose Miles because I think that Miles is back to contending in the conference, and they have a say in who's making it to this first divisionless SIC championship that's going to be held in Atlanta. So, you know, I, I think Miles really is going to get this win, but it might be a tit-for-tat, possibly high-scoring game because maybe Central State figures out that defense. You never know. But I think that Miles College is going to win this game. I'm excited to see it. Edward Waters versus Savannah State. Edward Waters has caused some teams a little bit of trouble over these past couple of years. Randall, who are you picking? They, 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 they caused Fort Madison trouble, but Morehouse was no trouble at all. Okay, <laughs> they, they solidly beat Morehouse. And Morehouse got to get together, and I think that they will really soon. Edward Waters, I think, beat Savannah State. I'm not as confident about it. I know that Savannah State has some guys. They have some great players, but they have some things they need to figure out to get back to the Savannah State of the 2019 and 2021 season. I think the Edward Waters, they have a winning program down there. They just had a few bumps in the road. 
So I think that they win this game and they get back into some semblance of getting the driver's seat, of possibly getting into the SIC championship. Because you never know. It's a divisionless format. Some teams could lose. Some teams could win. Bendick might make it. But who knows? Fort Valley might lose. Tuskegee might lose. You never know. It's it's a week-by-week -week situation, especially with this new format. So I think Edward Waters wins this game. I might have to agree with you there. Now we go down to the AUC. Clark Atlanta versus Lane. Clark Atlanta not having a great season at all. Not one of their best in many years. Who do you have, Randall? Lane's going to win this game. Clark Atlanta, I don't know what Coach Slater has to do, but he has to figure something out. I think you give a legend like Coach Slater some time because he has to really, truly build that program. And I think he needs to recruit in Atlanta, like get some of the guys in Atlanta and Peach County and Bibb County. Like you're in Georgia, like you're in such a talent rich area. So he needs to go and, and find some Georgia guys, some North Carolina guys on the border. You got, you got some Florida state guys, Florida state guys on the, you got some Florida guys on the border. So I'm just saying he needs to Alabama, like you're right there in Atlanta. So you, you should be able to recruit well. So, I think they lose this game. They could win this game. But even if they win this game, how this season has started, he needs to get some guys to come over to help him win and try to build a semblance of what he had at Tuskegee. Listen, speaking on the border, actually, if you go across Clark Atlanta's campus and you step over the president's field, which you're not allowed to walk on until you graduate, you are literally at Morehouse. And Morehouse plays Benedict this weekend. We could probably guess your pick, but go ahead and break it down for us, Randall. Who you got? Oh, oh, you, you could have told the pick. It's Benedict. Like, like Morehouse ain't scoring a touchdown. Like they, they, they might not make, make it to midfield at this point. Like, Benedict is just that dumb. There's no disrespect to Morehouse. But Ben, I'm telling you, this is this might be one of the best HBCU football teams that we've seen. And this isn't the 1980s or the 1990s or the 1950s. We get a chance to actually see this on film, on tape, on social media. Like this defense is dominant. Will they score two points? Will they score a field goal? I don't know. I know that's going to touchdown though. So Benedict's gonna win this game pretty handily. Uh, Morehouse, keep producing those doctors and the lawyers. We need you, especially on the field, just in case Morehouse gets beat severely, severely. And then last but not least, of course, we love them, and we have an alum right here, Fort Valley State versus Allen. Are you going to go with your heart, or are you going to go with the facts, Randall? So this is actually a really good game because Allen 4-0 to start the year. Fort Valley, they lost the game to Tuskegee, but they've won these past three games. And that Tuskegee game was technically an out-of-conference game. So they're in, in the SIEC, technically, Fort Valley is also undefeated. They're 3-0, and so that's the thing. We're going to see how that goes. But I think that Fort Valley can win this game. Allen last year gave us trouble, and we had to have a come-from-behind victory to win. What I'm nervous about is the secondary for Fort Valley. They're young. You have a passing team such as Allen. Like, they love to pass the ball. Styles make fights, and that could cause Fort Valley trouble. But I think in Kelvin Durham, you have a quarterback that can go tit for tat with David Wright at Allen. I think you have Coach Sean Gibbs that has a great offensive mind. He has a great staff behind him. You have Coach Keaton for Allen. I think that they're really, truly trying to, to put Allen back on the map. And fun fact in the, the overall series between Allen and Fort Valley, we stopped playing around like 1950, 1960, but Allen beat us more than we beat Fort Valley. I'll, I'll say that wrong. But Allen beat Fort Valley more than we beat Allen. I think we only beat Allen once in that original series. So I think Allen is trying to get back to where it used to be in the 1950s with Fort Valley State College and, and all that. So we're trying to prevent that and say it's a new day. We got iPhones. We got cell phones. Barack Obama was president and Joe Biden president right now. Okay, so this ain't 1950. So, you know, we got we got rights. Okay, so no, like Fort Valley is, is, is going to win this game. But it's I'm telling you, like, it, it might be a close game if Fort Valley doesn't figure out how to really truly game plan for that passing attack of Allen. All right, y'all, listen, a great weekend of HBCU football. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at underscore underscore dot modern date Ari, or put me in the hot seat on Twitter at asfreeree underscore underscore, or follow me on my website, theunnaxedopinion.weebly.com. 
Like what you hear? Uh, yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to HBCU, HBCU Pulse, Pulse Radio. Radio.